The Big Picture, a Christian insight into the world of movies, television and pop culture with magazine editor Ben McKechn and scriptwriter Mark Hadley. A Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. Since the dawn of time, the world has been waiting for just one thing. Jetpacks? Uh, No, far better. In fact, it is The Eternals. Welcome to The Eternals Movie and TV Award Show. We've been spruiking it for months now, and we've finally arrived at the date where which we are going to tell you what you told us, what you think are the most popular films for the year, and also, and in particular, those that have the best things to say. Ben, welcome to... The Eternals. Mate, I don't know why you're welcoming me. We should be welcoming you. Welcome back to the big picture. You've been away for a few weeks. Yes, welcome to me. <laughs> and welcome to Sam Robinson. G'day, mate. Hello. It's an exciting night, isn't it? It's a night of nights. <laughs> mate, you don't even sound as pumped as you should be about the Eternals being finally announced, the movie and TV award show of the year. I had to get Sam. my tux dry cleaned. <laughs> you did? I'm glad. Did. You look yeah. very nice, too. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's get into some, uh, some stuff because I want to hear what are we watching this week? It's almost the end of the year. What's coming out in film? It is, mate. Before we even get to the Eternals Movie and TV Awards, which you are so excited about, Sam, so that we're going to be announcing throughout the show. Before we get there, some film news. You guys might have heard that a movie got released this week called Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. Basically, at cinema, cinemas this week, the story is Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. If you want to see anything at the cinemas this week, I'm pretty sure it boils down to Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Is that's there anything cinemas. else showing? No, that's pre- like no, pretty much every that's Every other screen. <laughs> every other movie just ran for the hills and Rogue One <laughs> is out. Pity for the Japanese Film Festival, I must say. Yeah, I know. They, oh, well. they shouldn't have gone up against Star Wars. Uh, if you want something kind of different, a little bit related, but sure. kind of different... Elsewhere on DVD and Blu-ray at the moment this week, guys, and, and and Mark, I'll be thinking about getting you this for Christmas. Star Trek, the original series, the Roddenberry Vault it's has the, come. It's, it's finally arrived. It's finally arrived. Oh, the days we've been counting off at my house. Yeah, I didn't even know what this was, but as soon as I saw Star Trek in the title, I thought of you. Uh, oh, apparently, it's got gosh. something to do with the 50th anniversary of that show coming out, and this is like lost footage that, yes. uh, that the creator, Gene yes. Roddenberry, somebody had his ag- vault somewhere. Somebody actually filmed him having lunch <laughs> and now it's available on blu-ray just in time for christmas which yeah. i may or may not get for mark for next week all right what's happening on the small screen mark hadley well what he said honestly let's just let's just go with yeah, that. me at star trek the original series <laughs> i'll be watching that on blu-ray uh look if you're looking for something coming up to Christmas, well, Cooking Up a Storm with Simply Nigella Christmas this Tuesday, December uh-huh. 20th on the yep. ABC at 8pm. And get into that Christmas spirit with Nigella as she shares her foolproof guide to stress-free festive cooking, which basically I think means takeaway. It's <laughs> <laughs> stress-free. That'd be the only form of stress-free cooking at Christmas with a lineup of celebratory dishes which are both indulgent and practical. And for some light-hearted entertainment, you can catch Craziest Christmas Christmas lights. That's an actual <laughs> thing? That's a show? <laughs> Reality television has eaten itself and died. <laughs> <laughs> and re-emerged. That's craziest Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. When is this well, on? Well, it's on channel 72. Okay, okay, so 7's digital channel. Uh, December 19, 7.30pm to 8.30pm. Yeah, they got an hour out of it. I just don't know how they did it. But anyway, this program follows some of the most festive homeowners as they transform their houses into Arctic wonderlands for Christmas. From the man who uses so much electricity on Christmas that he can't boil his kettle, to the family who's created a light display to music. 
So you not only have to watch, but if you live anywhere near them, you have to listen. Jingle okay. all the way. All the way. <laughs> Who said there's nothing to watch this time of year? Right? <laughs> no, I know. And after you've finished listening... Oh, there's that, more. Yes. After you've actually finished listening to us, you could switch over to Woolworths Carols in the Domain. Yes, you heard that correctly. Woolworths has actually bought the rights to Christmas. They own Christmas they now. They now do. Okay. Uh, it's Australia's largest Christmas concert. A lot of people like to listen to the Carols in the Domain. It's held in the Domain tonight. And screening live across Australia, but it goes till 11 o'clock, so don't be racing off the radio. There'll be plenty of time to get your jingle all the way in. Uh huh. Now, guys, before we get to announcing the Eternal Movie and TV Awards this year, before we get to the first few categories, a little bit of entertainment news. Mm. You will be shocked and saddened to discover that the United Nations has scrapped Wonder Woman as its honorary ambassador for the empowerment of women and girls after she was only in the role for two months, Wonder did, Woman. Did, what, it was how she dressed? <laughs> I think that had, something, did think that had something to do with it. And this, is a, a, this seemed like a nice little publicity campaign. There's a new Wonder Woman film coming out next year that Gail Gatto is going to be starring in. But uh, Wonder Woman, the character, was appointed in October to this role but has since been taken away because of such heavy criticism online. Nearly 45,000 people signed a petition to basically say that this woman does not represent real women oh, wow. around the world. Of Take course, that, of Wonder Woman. Of course she doesn't represent real women around. She gives them something to aspire to. Uh, says the bloke in the room. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. Come on, yeah. she's a really nice sword. She'll, okay, I'll move she's it She's scrapped, mate. She's scrapped. Well, if the role is free, then maybe it can be filled by Peppa Pig. <laughs> so because the first time in her 12-year history, one of the world's biggest, most loved preschool stars, Peppa Pig, will make her big screen debut in Peppa Pig, My First Cinema Experience. That's actually the title. Peppa's Australian Catchy. Holiday. This is the longest title I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> this special cinema event will feature nine brand new episodes, including four Australian episodes. G'day, Pepper. Uh, uh, there you go. <laughs> along with interactive sing-along content that will see young fans singing and dancing along in their seats. The four Australian uh, episodes involve Pepper on her first ever Australian holiday, visiting her friend Kylie Kangaroo, <laughs> <laughs> and stand back for the amazing Australian activities. I mean, these things are original like you wouldn't believe. Pepper visits the Outback for a barbecue, learns to surf... <laughs> Throws a boomerang. That'll be an episode worth watching. Arm gripped. Uh, and sees the Great Barrier Reef in a submarine. And, submarine. Okay, there you go. And along the way, audiences will also get to meet Mr. Lion, Mr. Wallaby, Mr. Platypus, and Miss Koala. Great. Peppa Pig for Prime Minister. <laughs> okay. Or um, United Nations representative. <laughs> well, Ben. Yes, Mark, oh, before we we're almost there. We're almost at the Eternals. We're almost announced the first few categories You've of the Eternals. You've been teasing a lot, sir. I have been teasing a lot. The I'm audience gonna, is I'm going to continue to tease a little bit more because I thought I might mention just some other awards that go on around this time of year or actually early next year. This thing called the Academy Awards. You might have heard of it. For true or false this week, I thought I would put something to you, gentlemen, about... Oscar, about that little statue Oscar. Apparently, it's worth about 400 bucks. The, the, the statue itself is only gold plated, it's not solid gold. Oh. The Oscar. Oh, no. But here is a paper mache. That would be significantly it's disappointing. <laughs> and it would be significantly disappointing if it was paper mache for the true or false that I'm about to propose to you because what is the highest amount that's ever been paid for an Oscar? So, uh, so, so you mean people have bought, people other, have people's bought Oscars. other people's Oscars? And so. Who paid the highest sum ever for an Oscar? Was it A, Donald Trump, B, Michael Jackson, C, 
Pablo Picasso, or D, Giorgio Armani? Which one of those chaps oh. paid the most amount of money ever for an Oscar? You will find out, <laughs> gentlemen, after we do some announcing, finally, of The Eternals. And we thought we'd kick the show off with least popular film. Now because let... all the other categories are really quite positive. We've got best actor and actress and movie and TV show. All of that's coming. But this is the least popular film, mm. according to listeners of The Big Picture. You have voted one of these films as least popular film of this year. The contenders were Deadpool, Suicide Squad, the Huntsman, Winter's War, Ghostbusters and Warcraft. And the winner is... Longest drum roll in history. <laughs> Deadpool. Ah. What if I told you we can make you better? You're a fighter. We can give you abilities most men only dream of. Make you a superhero. You just promise you'll do right by me. So I can do right by someone else. And please don't make the super suit green or animated. One thing that never survives this place is a sense of humor. So, according to Listen of the Big Picture, <laughs> gentlemen, Deadpool, the Marvel comic superhero film out earlier this year starring Ryan Reynolds, is the least popular film, even though. It actually scored pretty well around the traps in terms of reviewers and a box office money. I think it's about fifth in the world yeah, in terms of ta- box office well takings box. this year. This is the big picture. Didn't really go for it. That's because our listeners are discerning, sir. Yes. I thought you say that they're thinking people. Mind you, um, I, I'm surprised that the Huntsman Winter's War didn't rate lower. So me, to me too. I that thought that, awful. and I thought Suicide Squad would have got up there over Deadpool, another yeah. superhero film this year. But that was one that was like critically smashed. I think around Deadpool, the world. I think Deadpool really got um, hacked because the Christian community very early on looked at it and went, some of the things we're laughing at here are just not. Uh, worth comedic material. So would you would you agree with that? That's pretty much where people sort of got to it. Yeah, that's pre- pretty much what I think people summarise. I think that is why it's turned up at least popular film on our list. And it, it was a pretty big challenge, I think, to a lot of uh, Christian audiences, let alone other people who don't follow Jesus. But it's that kind of example of extreme entertainment and what are we entertained by. And we here at the Big Picture, and as we're going to do throughout the show, talking about the Eternals, we love talking about bringing a Christian perspective onto entertainment. Deadpool, I think, was one of the biggest challenges this year. And you've got to ask yourself a question in there as a viewer. Is this gratuitous or is this actually justified what we're watching in here? There's a lot of violence, a lot of language, a lot of sex. That was deliberate and Mm. deliberately shocking in Deadpool and actually really creative and pretty funny and well-oiled and put together. But watching that as a movie, one of the biggest, biggest, biggest confrontations, I think, to Christian viewers this year was Deadpool. Is it gratuitous or is it justified? The people have decided that it was a bit gratuitous and that's why it's the least popular film this year, I think, blokes. All right. Well, let's get on to the next category. What's up, Mark? Well, the only way is up at this point because <laughs> basically now we're going to talk about the best family film. Well, from Deadpool okay. to best family film. I presume it, be- best Deadpool wasn't also well, wasn't nominated in, in this category. wasn't one of the categories. <laughs> no. Each week we make a big fuss over family films because we know that there are parents out there just trying to work out what's best for their kids to mm-hmm. see. Mm-hmm. Well, this week... You tell us what was the best. Now, the the nominations included Finding Dory, the BFG, um, the Jungle Book, Miss Peregrine's Home for... I can't even remember that. Et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Eddie the Eagle, all sorts of things. And the Eternal goes to Zootopia. Zootopia, a gleaming city where animals of all breeds predator and prey alike live together in peace and harmony. Hi, I'm 
paper. Yeah? Well, we're loud. Don't expect us to apologize for it. ZPD's first rabbit officer, Judy Hops. You ready to make the world a better place? Bad news in this city gripped by fear. What can you tell us about the animals that went savage? Are we safe? This is priority one. Hops. Parking duty. <laughs> Sir, I'm not just some token bunny. You strike out, you resign. Deal. So if you've forgotten, this is the film about Officer Judy Hopper, a rabbit who decides she has what it takes to tackle the mean streets of the animal metropolis, Zootopia. Uh, interestingly, there's just so many good kid films this year that I was kind of surprised this one went, but it actually went really strongly. 34% of the people who actually voted um, actually thought Zootopia was the one they really wanted their kids to be seeing. And, and I guess, you know... Um, well, I mean, it came in close. Finding Dory came in close at number two, but but mm. that's really saying something about how parents reacted to this film. So, what do you think uh, people liked here? The the right for rabbits to bear arms. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Zootopia? I didn't actually see Zootopia. Here's my mission for the year. And what the right of every rabbit to bear arms? Is that, that what Zootopia was, was about? It was basically about a rabbit desiring to do a role that she wasn't quite. Design for oh, yeah, every okay. rabbit story. Yes. Yeah, every rabbit story. Look, I, actually, Zootopia, I think, has a really refreshing take on on that particular theme of being all you can be. It was very common in sort of kids' films. Um, you, in fact, I actually asked my son Elijah afterwards what he thought the film was about, and he said, "You can try whatever you want to do in life, but you've also got to be realistic." And I thought that was a good thing to come away from a usual mm. Disney film because a Disney film is more like the the style of triumph. I, I, this isn't a Disney film, but it was more the triumph of a, you know of your desire individualism and in, in which in this case instead it's kind of like okay I can do what I want but I've also got to realize how I'm made and I think that's a great thing for kids to be looking at from a Christian perspective that it's not just what I want but who I've been made to be so it sounds like the big pictureites out there, the big picture fans, were voting for best for this for best family film, possibly along those lines, Mark. Thinking people. That's what mm, I right. like about our audience. Well, we need to get uh, to some awards soon, but we need the answer to our true or false, Ben. That's right. Gentlemen, who paid the highest sum ever for an Oscar? We are we, Even on the Eternal Show, we can talk a little bit about that other awards called Academy Awards. Who paid the highest sum ever for an Oscar? Was it Donald Trump, Michael Jackson, Pablo Picasso, or Giorgio Armani? Donald Trump. I want to go with Donald Trump. It is not President-elect Donald Trump. You're oh. both wrong. It is Michael Jackson, who paid a cool $1,542,500 in 1999 for the Best Picture Award that David O. Selznick won for Gone with the Wind. $1.5 million wow. for a $400 statue. Maybe you didn't know that before he <laughs> went in, Michael Jackson. You've got to have those things valued. And That's he didn't right. actually. And then he found out it was paper mache when he got home. All right. If he was on eBay, they would probably have told him the value of what it was, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, coming up on this night of nights, we'll let you know who you have crowned best actress and best actor of 2016 in The Eternals. Welcome back to the award show of the year, The Eternals, where you tell us exactly what it is through this year of televisual and filmic delight pleased you the most. Sam. All right, well, let's get to the next big award. Ben McKeckin, what is it? Gentlemen, we've arrived at Best Actress for 2016 <gasps> as voted by the people. So some of the contenders include Blake Lively in The Shallows, Maggie Smith, Lady in the Van, Kate Beckinsale, Love and Friendship, not for Underworld, Blood Wars. I repeat, not for <laughs> Underworld, Actually, Blood Wars. particularly well as not as a like and loving vampire, don't you think? <laughs> I know. Kate Beckinsale, Love and Friendship, Helen Mirren, Eye in the Sky, Emily Blunt, The Girl on the Train, or any other lady that you thought stole the show this year up on screen. And the winner is... 
That was an appropriate regal sounding fanfare for a woman who won the Oscar for the Queen, Helen Mirren, Eye yes. in the Sky. What's the plan, Catherine? We need to put a hellfire through that roof right now. Told you to witness a capture, not a kill. Give me a capture option. We no longer have a capture option. Any action on the ground will lead to an armed confrontation, which we will not be able to contain. They're watching. Even with the vests, we need their approval for a strike. Just tell them we've got Danford in our sights. I mean, that alone should justify using a hellfire. The, the vests are just a bonus. Danford's a British citizen. They want her alive. They cannot have her alive. Frank, I've tracked her for six years. This is the closest I've ever got. So, we need to expand our rules of engagement right now to protect the civilian population. A hellfire through that roof is our most effective option. Personally, gentlemen, I'm a little bit disappointed that Amy Adams didn't sneak into this category <laughs> at some point. She was in Arrival and Nocturnal Animals, particularly for Arrival. I thought she did a great job, but I can't really argue with the argue mass with the populace because Helen Mirren as Colonel Catherine Powell in Eye in the Sky, a fantastic military, moral, ethical conundrum movie about uh, fighting terrorism with drone warfare and who you kill along the way etc etc she was superb as you would expect from helen mirren as a kind of stoic very dignified very business-like yet personable face of military warfare now i remember when you reviewed this earlier you loved it and i'm wondering if loved your vote it. got it over the line perhaps ben mckeckin but what, what was it that what stayed with you about this film? May, may, maybe it was me thank you you can thank me later helen <laughs> you were, mirren you were salting uh, the votes you were <laughs> campaigning in the streets you can you, you can send a check to my house helen mirren uh, for best actress 2016 in the eternal awards uh, sam what stuck with me plenty of things about eye in the sky one of the best movies this year i'll be very interested to see when we announce the winner later on in the show about best movie whether Eye in the Sky gets up there what really stuck with me is that it was this fantastic film about how messy and complicated life is even when you think there should be a simple answer and so a movie that's boiling down to what would you do when you're going up against quote unquote evil people terrorists and how would you take them out a lot of people would think there's a very simple solution to that but I think what Eye in the Sky demonstrates and what is often funneled through the character that Helen Mirren plays so very very well is that it's just not as easy as that and as a Christian, I like to think about, well, God's guidance and instruction that's given to me and how am I going to use those in certain situations. And as I was watching Eye in the Sky, I was just thinking about what would I do with these instructions that I'm given in these various situations, particularly something as extreme as Eye in the Sky. Would I change my mind? Would I try to work outside the framework? Would I try and reinvent the wheel? Or would I try to work out how does... God's word apply in every and all situation, including something that I'm never going to be part of, like Eye in the Sky, but it really got me thinking about moral and ethical issues in everyday life. Right. Helen you, Mirren, congratulations. If you haven't seen it, really, that's one of the performances of the year. So go see Eye in the Sky. Fantastic. I should tell you that we're actually not going to jump right... Uh, we're not actually going to uh, do another award right now. We're not? I have something quite special for you. Yes. I have something incredibly special. Okay. See, normally we have a soundtrack segment, right? Yes. Okay, and we play some you know movie-related piece of music that gets people thinking. Yes. Well, Eye in the Sky lacked a really great soundtrack. <laughs> that is one thing it didn't it have. Did, it wasn't really known for its soundtrack. Nothing boppy by Taylor Swift to kind of underscore <laughs> Helen Mirren's performance, you know. But when we look back on the year, there are lots of musicals worth drawing to your attention. Now, next week, we're actually going to be talking about two in particular, uh, La La Land and Moana. Oh, they're some of the biggest Boxing Day releases, aren't they? They are. So tune in next week for our Boxing Day show. It's fantastic. Uh, however, we thought we'd give a special mention to a little film by Meryl Streep and Hugh Grant that simultaneously produced this year both the most memorable and least entertaining musical experience of 2016. Florence Foster Jenkins and the Queen of the Night aria. 
Now, I've got to say, Florence Foster Jenkins was based on a true story of a New York socialite in the 1940s who really loved music and really thought she could sing. And was really wrong about that. People are running from their speakers as we speak. (laughs) This was a case of allowing someone to believe in a crazy lie because it made them feel a whole lot better. But when the truth came out, it actually made her feel a whole lot worse. So it's a beautiful film, both funny and touching, and it has a happy ending, so don't worry. But it's also a cautionary tale. The truth, however painful, is all always more loving than a lie. Well, Helen Mirren has been crowned Best Actress at the Eternal, so who is her leading man, Mark? Who is the best actor in the Eternal? Yes, we asked you, the listeners, to tell us... Who would you like to give a big high five to as your best actor for the year? <laughs> is, that, is that what our trophy is? We haven't actually, we actually explained what the Eternals trophies is, that well, what we're sending to Helen Mirren. Um, <laughs> she's sending a check to me for helping her get up there. Yes, but we're so actually, we're, 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 the budget is extended budget to is us extended. giving a high five I will jump to the best actor. To America yes. and go give a high five to the actor of your choice. <laughs> now, there are all sorts of people that you could have given this high five to. Matthew McConaughey for The Free State of Jones. John Goodman for 10 Clubs. Overfield Lane, or let's not forget Taron Edgerton for Eddie the Eagle. But the Eternal went to Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yes, you voted Dwayne Johnson the best actor for Central Intelligence. Tonight's going to be different because my best friend is here with me. And he taught me what it means to be the hero of your own story. Would you hold this for me, please? Being the hero of your own story isn't about stopping bad guys or, or, or climbing mountains. It's about overcoming bullies in your life, whatever or whomever they may be. It's about putting it all out there for everyone to see. And it's realizing that in life, the most important thing that you can be is yourself. Yep. The Rock has more acting ability than Matthew McConaughey. That's it's finally to been you. confirmed. <laughs> so yep. The Eternals has it over the Oscars, I guess. That's where we... It's the populist vote. We let people say what they really want to yeah. say. It's not nice for the first Eternals we've ever done that we're really distinguishing ourselves. The people that are voting particularly are really distinguishing themselves from every other like award ceremony that's going on this time of year <laughs> Dwayne no. Johnson best actor he well, was really good in Central Intelligence though was, all jokes aside he was all jokes aside he was good look it could have been worse though I just want to point out this was one of those categories it's an online um, poll and people have an opportunity to put in other you know if they don't like the nominations and other all the sorts of other people people wanted to vote for actually rated it as a higher category than all of the other votes okay, okay? and there were some terrible things that could have occurred you know Ben Affleck from- oh. Batman v Superman. Mate, I was really hoping that Ben Two, Affleck for Batman v Superman or for The Accountant was going to get up. Several people. Several people put Ben Affleck in. Um, <laughs> obviously, several people who hadn't actually seen the film, you know, went with. Um, do, you, do you think your hatred of Ben Affleck, or that's maybe a bit too strong, Mark, but your dislike hatred. of Ben Affleck as an actor like dis- might have actually pushed people in that direction? My disdain knows no limits. Look, there are other notables, though, that are worth saying. Benedict Cumberbatch, some people wanted to vote for him for Doctor Strange. Sure. Mike, Michael Keaton for 
the founder, mm. and Michael Fassbender for The Light Between Oceans. Oh, yeah, he was great. And that's what I kind of like about The Eternals, because it's not just what we think you should be voting for, but you can tell us what also rates highly. So, you know, make sure you're part of it next year as well as this year. Why do you think people like Dwayne The Rock Johnson? Strangely, Central Intelligence is pretty straightforward buddy cop film, yeah, okay, right. when it comes to down to it. But it has a really strong message about bullying. Uh, and, you know, don't do it or The Rock will come over and punch you. It's basically what it actually amounts oh, to. Oh, come on. It was more than that, though. It, it actually it, yeah. treated bullying pretty seriously. It, it, it did. It said that... that even though you are actually a hulking guy on the outside, you can be quite wounded on the inside based on what things... The character that the Rock was playing. And weirdly, you know, Dwayne Johnson, though he is known as an action figure, actually did a fair job of of over... Like, he was matched up against Kevin Hart, and Kevin Hart's quite a funny guy, and he turned him into a straight man. He had such a funny, you know, great funny lines, but he also had some poignant moments where he's talking about what it's like to actually live a life out in bullying. And I think people responded to the laughs and responded to that sort of feeling too. Lovely. Well, coming up on the big picture, we have glitz, glamour, sensation, and other things that are quite fancy <laughs> for, <laughs> for the rest of we the show. no expense, Sam. Absolutely. It is, it is. You should see the place. It's amazing. <laughs> We've got the best Christian film and the best spiritual lesson after the break, as well as an extra special guest who has been nominated several times tonight. Welcome back to the show. Now we've had a costume change and we've finished off some of our speeches, gentlemen. I'm wearing my nicest frock. <laughs> we are about halfway through the Eternals, the first ever Eternal Awards 2016. If you're tuning in for the first time to the show, you might not know that the big picture is all about bringing Christian reflection to pop culture. So the Eternals had to include Best Christian Movie and Best Spiritual Lesson. Of course, it did Best Christian Movie and Best Spiritual Lesson. And this has been one of the strongest years for some time when it comes to widely released Christian movies. They've actually made it to cinemas, I repeat. They've actually made it to cinemas and on a fairly frequent basis throughout the year. You'd have to work really hard to have not seen one of the Christian films that came out this year. You would have. And And some of the contenders include, gentlemen, for Best Christian Movie, Miracles from Heaven. Hillsong, Let Hope Rise, Risen, Ben-Hur, God's Not Dead 2, Jack of the Red Hearts, and any other that some other people may have seen throughout the year. And the people have voted for Hillsong, Let Hope Rise. I don't know what God has used, a little youth band from a church in the outer suburbs of Sydney, but for some reason, he's given us this opportunity. When I started a church, I wanted to have a church that wrote songs that influenced the way people worship. There was this underground movement. We'd do these events and there'd be thousands turning up. In the end, our success is not about us. It's ultimately about God. When you take him out of the equation, we've got nothing. I walked in hills, so I knew my life was different. I felt this hard shell around my heart just begin to crack open. Are you surprised, gentlemen, that the documentary on Hillsong United, Hillsong Let Hope Rise, has arisen as Best Christian Movie Eternals 2016? Surprised? I'm not so surprised because I think that there's a very large uh, presence, you know, in the in the Christian market with Hillsong. It's kind of almost. Hillsong, an album comes out, and that's going to be a big album. And if Hillsong put a film out, yeah, it's going to be a big film. Yeah, but the fact that people like it as well is that's another. That's a different thing. Like it's it's one thing for just everyone to get behind it and go see it, but another thing for people to really like it in a year where, as we mentioned before, there were a lot of Christian movies competing for this title, and some of the bigger, more highly promoted films like Risen and Ben Hur that came out as well. 
the documentary on that little thing we like to call Hillsong actually got up with the people. Yeah, I've got to say that I'm pretty impressed that given so much stuff being out there, like we're spoiled for choice this year. If we were running this category any other year, we might have two things to choose <laughs> from. Might, it might you have know. been a lot harder. Yeah, yeah. That's and, right. So and yet see, this, is, this has been great. Are we going to see more in 2017, do you think? More Christian releases? Reckon Christian movies? Uh, look, Sam, there's 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 a chance. That, or, or, or films related to Christian topics or, you know, biblical movies. Or, although that's been tried for the last couple of years and hasn't gone so well with Noah and Exodus. No one's yet been able to catch what the passion of the Christ did. What was that? That was a decade ago. But Ben Hur too. Ben Hur too. Ben Hur too. The Rising. Yeah. Know, might, <laughs> might might happen again. Hillsong, Who knows? Hope rises. Who knows? Higher. So even though uh, Hillsong let hope rise, and some of these other films, Risen, Miracles from Heaven, did quite well at cinemas throughout the year. I don't know, Sam, to, to answer your question, uh, but we'd be encouraging here at the big picture of Christian filmmakers, scriptwriters, actors, actresses creating more movies where they're telling you know Christian stories or bringing up Christian content or whatever it is. What we would be encouraging, I think, is just make good movies whether yes. they're christian or whether they're not but make a good movie that's what i'd like to see next year sam excellent well we've got a real treat for you now eternals audience on the line from queensland is rod hopping ceo of heritage films australia's biggest distributor of christian and faith-based films heritage was behind the release this year of risen ben hur miracles from heaven and jack of the red hearts and many others in fact probably uh, got nominated more times than any other distributor it's based in one film so g'day rod thanks for joining us on the red carpet at the first ever eternals awards it's good to be with you with this shiny bow tie of mine. Thank yeah. you for the invite. Mate, thanks very, thanks very much for, for dressing up. And, and, and apologies, Rod, that uh, when we first get to interview you here on The Big Picture, it's straight after your many films, Risen, Miracles from Heaven, and others, was pipped at the post by Hillsong Let Hope Rise. Were you surprised that Let Hope Rise was so popular with the people this year? Look, right now I feel a little bit like that guy that came in just behind Usain Bolt at the Olympics. What's his name again? I'm I'm not at all, and um, I was thrilled to um, to see that that film um, get into cinemas because what a, well, for anyone that saw it in the cinemas, it's an incredible big screen surround sound experience, and I think um, yeah, it's, it's so good to see, and I, I love seeing content like this. But Rod, you might be you might be pumped to hear that uh, your films, Heritage films, the films that Heritage was behind this year, they accounted for about fifty percent of the popular vote in best Christian movie category. But I want to ask you, why does Heritage specialise in faith based and Christian content? Why do you do that? Oh, look, it's it's been a twelve year journey, and I, I'm just so thrilled that the last year has continued to see um, better quality, higher level films, and you know, we we just love this presence in mainstream. We love the fact that people can stumble in, have a look on the board in the cinema and go, yeah, I've heard about that. I'll, I'll see what it's like. And but we, we're passionate about connecting people with moving stories. With I mean, we've got this crazy belief that movies change people and people change the world. And so for us, it's about connecting that, that kind of content to the audience. And so, yeah, we just love that opportunity. It's been, has been an interesting year for that, for that regard. And, and, Rod, how hard is it to connect with a wider audience? Because, let's face it, Heritage is a niche distributor. Faith-based and Christian content is not necessarily up there. You're not necessarily going to vie with audiences that are, say, lining up for Marvel films, for example. You're, you're a niche provider. How difficult is it to find your audience? Yeah, look, um, being an independent anything in this industry is tough work because the, uh, the, the studio system, they really have a monopoly on 
the screens, you know, whether that is the big screen in the cinema or the little screen on your, you know, at iTunes. Um, they, um, so it, it's not an easy thing to do, but there's still a hunger for audiences. Um, and look, they're, they're well known for these kind of four peaks every year called school holidays. That's when they release their biggest content. And they come out with some absolute cracker films as well. And, you know, some of their films are, um, you know, 90, 120 minutes of escapism and I'll go and have lunch afterwards and I've forgotten the experience. I guess we're looking for that audience and I think there's a growing hunger. And we've seen some growing numbers this year of people that who want meaning um, and the films kind of nudge them somehow. They don't even maybe know how, but they go away and they're talking about the film afterwards. And maybe when they wake up the next morning, it's still kind of dwelling with them, if you know what I mean. Now, now, Rob, we are in the middle of our Eternals 2016 show, but thinking ahead to the Eternals 2017, I reckon that some heritage films might be contenders for awards next year. I'm particularly talking about Lion and Silence that are going to be released in January and February next year. Why do you think, I'm guessing, that they're going to feature strongly in the Eternals next year? What is it about those movies that people are going to respond to? I think, um, certainly with Lion, one of the things that we are passionate about, and this is probably because I'm the crazy guy, um, you know, at times that um, is looking at these, this content. It's, 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 it's a true story. It's, it's um, you know, and an Aussie story, this one, you know, and I, I think it's quite a profound story that may even sneak into uh, Academy Award nomination, certainly has um, started uh, in this kind of uh, award season, um, which is, you know, overshadowed by what you guys are doing today, this other award season going on around the world. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Rod. Oh, Rod. And, uh, with comments like that, mate, we are definitely going to try very hard to get Lion and Silence into the awards, uh, see, into the Eternals for next year, just so we can get you back on the show so you can praise us a little bit more when you come on. <laughs> Thank you very much for putting on the bow tie, Rod, and for joining us on the first ever Eternals program. Hey, thanks for having us. You guys do a great job. Good, good on you. Thank you. Well, of course, probably the biggest goal of the team at The Big Picture is to help you see how a Christian can interact with popular culture in general by seeing just that, The Big Picture. See what we did there? Yeah. The Big Picture. You know, you wonder why we named that show that. <laughs> then, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. See, yeah. It's not just Christian films that have something to teach us about God. In fact, since the Bible tells us that he is the source of all good things, it shouldn't surprise us that we can find reflections of his character in any film that tries to uncover the good in life. So this year, we're also awarding an Eternal 2, the movie that contained the best spiritual lesson. Okay, what are the nominees? Well, the nominees are Batman v Superman. Please, please, please. Please, please, please. <laughs> I Am the Sky, Free State of Jones, Hail Caesar. That's my hope. Money Monster, The BFG, and The Man Who Knew Infinity. And the winner for the film with the best spiritual lesson is... It gives me great pleasure to say, the BFG. You can call me the big friendly giant. Oh my. I catch dreams. This one sounds like you. Dreams here too. Yeah. Run, Sophie. Hide. You has a delicious little bean. 
The big screen reimagining of Roald Dahl's classic kid story starring Mark Rylance and Ruby Barnhill Beautifully sweet, wickedly funny, and full of fluffing corgis. What more could would you want in a film? <laughs> yeah. Were there any giant lessons? What was this giant <laughs> lesson to take away from this giant film? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm, there? A, I'm a big advocate for talking to your kids about films on the way home in the car. I think it's something that we should all practice. And we had some great conversations in the Hadley wagon. Um, there's this <laughs> wonderful moment where, um, uh, firstly, there's this great concept of, of our need for forgiveness because there's this nightmare that Ruby has, the idea of, oh, sorry, that the giant has, remembering everything you've ever done and there is no forgiveness. You know, that, that's actually a really good sense of what it would be like to be trapped in a world with no forgiveness. And then there's this other great line I remember, but I'm not as lonely as before, Ruby says, because I can talk to the BFG and know that he hears me wherever I am. So it's someone else who always is and is better, you know, is also there, is God. You know, when you want these sort of stepping stones to talk to your kids about bigger concepts, there's no doubt the BFG places them in your lap and says, go right ahead. Brilliant. Well, coming up on the big picture, like any award ceremony, things might seem a bit drawn out at the moment, but <laughs> we're going to wind things up after the break with the best TV show and best film of 2016 as voted by you. Welcome back to the big picture, the Eternal Awards for 2016. Mark, we've come to the end of the show, but we've got some big categories still to announce. Well, I know you've been waiting for awards such as this one. Yes. Enough of the big screen. Time to turn our attention to the most popular form of entertainment, television. Uh, and what was it that you were keen on in 2016? We asked you what your favourite TV program was for the last 12 months, and the contenders were things like 112263, uh, A Place to Call Home, Daredevil, Deadline Gallipoli, but Game of Thrones, House of Cards, Sherlock, The Flash, The Get Down... And the winner is Sherlock, the case of the abominable bride. Well, Holmes, surely you must have some theory. You have a past, Watson. Ghosts. They're the shadows that define our every sunny day. Every great cause has martyrs. Every war has suicide missions. And make no mistake, this is war. Impossible. Fear is wisdom in the face of danger. It's nothing to be ashamed of. From the beginning, then. Honestly, one of the cleverest pieces of TV for the year. We've met the modern version of Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman, and we finally got to see how they perform in their original settings as the sleuths from Victorian England. What, what, what do you mean? Actually, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see this, but it turns out a lot of people did. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so what it, do you mean? They they go back to the old England? There's a, there's a plot twist that actually shows that they don't go back in time or anything like that. There's a plot twist that shows them as what they would look like if if Benedict Cumberbatch was playing Sherlock Holmes in Victoria. Era. Martin Freeman was playing Dr. Watson then. But, you know, actually the most interesting thing about this award, and that's a great show. If you haven't seen that particular special, the Sherlock special that came out this year, there is a, another show too that almost pipped it at the post. Yeah. Uh, again, in this wonderful sort of democratic award show where you can nominate <laughs> what you that's a, think. That's a really good way to put it. We are. Yeah. We're, the mo- we're the most the democratic. The most democratic award show. Take that, Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can nominate. Forget what we think should be nominated. You can nominate and people nominated Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger yeah, that's, Things that's been huge this year. So good. Second. Yeah, so that sort of almost spin off the 80s classics, The Goonies and E.T., but with a much darker edge. Uh, we ask, you know, by the way, why? 
Okay, and, and that was kind of an interesting thing. You know, one of the other sort of things that we actually asked in the survey was, what was your favourite genre of TV? It's not uh, for award. people voting for the Eternal Awards, yeah, but yes. What, what was your favourite genre? And many, the, by far and away, the, the winning category was science fiction. Uh, and, strange and it wasn't thing, just you doing all the voting, Mark. It wasn't. Just, <laughs> it was, it, but it is an interesting thing if, when you think about it, that the winning, you know, the show that almost snatched the, the prize was Stranger Things, and science fiction has got such a big thing. Why are people searching in that way. What are they looking for in the science fiction realm? Well, yeah. Science fiction classically, from books to movies to TVs, always tried to present something about our real world, but in, fa- in some sort of fantasy, um, imaginative way, saying some, really commenting on the now, but presenting it in a, a nice little encapsulation of a story to get us really thinking. Do you think that's what people are responding to? They're seeing the real-life elements, the real-life traces in science fiction, and they're yeah. loving it. Yeah, I think so too, and I think that there's something maybe a little bit more basic right at the heart of it. I think that people believe there's just much more going on than you, I mean, than science would explain. I mean, we, we've got a lot of prominent... This is the decade of prominent atheism, you know, where people are really sort of saying, look, it's the test tube. Basically, what can't fit in it doesn't really exist. And yet, I think at the same time, in the entertainment industry, we've got people embracing programs that say, you know, there's actually something underneath the surface that's far more significant that you don't know about that is bubbling along. Um, and I think that that is basically the itch that God has placed in the human conscience, that, you know, we are going to long for something eternal we're going to long for something that tells us about the world out there that we can't quite see but we know is there Uh, and i figure you see that because people watch science fiction and other speculative programs Okay, gentlemen, I've got something sad to let you know about what we're almost at the end of the eternals for 2016 (sighs) but We've saved a huge one for last. Like most awards shows do, like, I don't know, that thing called the Oscars and Golden Globes and yabba, 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 yabba all yabba. those other ones. If you waste your time. That have instantly been superseded by the Eternals this year. Because the, we do it in an hour. The first, <laughs> first ever Eternals <laughs> publicly voted awards. We are at Best Movie. Among the contenders from 2016, there are Captain America Civil War. Doctor Strange, Star Trek Beyond, Magnificent Seven, Room, The Jungle Book, Finding Dory, Spotlight, and the winner is... Finding Dory. Today's the day, our field trip to the Stingray Migration. Stingray Migration. Migration is about going home, home, which is where you're from. How do the stingrays all know where to go? Instinct. Something deep inside you that feels so familiar that you have to listen to it. <gasps> my mom, my dad, I have a family. We will never forget you, Dory. What if I forget you? I miss them. You know what that feels like? Yes. Then we better get going. the things I I'm a little bit surprised at this end of the Eternals that Finding Dory, the sequel to Pixar's Finding Nemo, didn't actually make it as best family film, but it seems like it's pushed out further and wider than just the quote-unquote family market, and instead has appealed to listeners the big picture, almost it seems like, no matter how young or how old you are, Finding Dory from 2016 is their favourite film. Are you surprised, gentlemen? No, I'm not. Actually, I thought this was hands down one of the best family films of the year. And again, but it didn't win best family film. It won know, best we, film. I know, I know. I feel like though it had one of those underlying sort of um, you can find your way back to who you are 
um, storylines that just crosses generations. You know, so if you're sitting in there as adults, you are crying along with the kids. Actually, the kids are probably just eating chocolate. But, you know, like as an adult, I was sitting there just going, wow, I'm emotionally moved by some of the things that are going on here. Yeah, yeah. I'm surprised, though, that some other films didn't figure a little bit more higher in this. I should also give a special commendation to... Coming in at third was Oscar winner Room. That was big Mm. at the start of the year. A fantastic nod there to some indie cinema that came out this year. Some really gut-wrenching stuff, a very adult drama. And Star Trek Beyond. But that got up there high. But but that's right. Uh, But big picture listeners also voted for things like Captain America Civil War, which came in second place to Finding Dory. Quite the smattering of tastes going on among the big picture fan base out there. Gentlemen, I'm also a little bit gutted that some films like, say, Spotlight... Didn't get up there mm-hmm. a little bit higher. No votes coming in for that. I'm amazed that the but, maybe that shows that Oscar was wrong at the start of the year for naming it Best Picture. I, and instead, The Eternals are right by naming Finding Dory Best Movie. I'd just like to note that uh, Star Trek Beyond got more than Spotlight. <laughs> It all seems to go back to Star Trek. So, you know, it hasn't been the the happiest, safest year of films. Uh, So why do you think Finding Dory has cut through? Mate, I think as Mark was was indicating, um, there's a lot in there for for young and old, like to get emotionally connected with. It's nice. It's pretty family oriented, very colourful. And the original was beloved, so it didn't make it didn't wasn't a huge shock to people that people want to show up to see this. But it seemed like it had a very another very strong message for young and old. Which I remember, Mark, when you reviewed this on the show, you can check out Mark's review thebigpicturewebsite.com. You were very struck in finding Dory by its presentation of someone living or a fish living with a mental disability, but how that can help parents and children particularly discuss the issue of if you're confronted with any kind of disability in your life, what it's like to live with that. And on the on the plus side for the parents in this film, they were supportive and loving. And then from the kind of child side, you get to see someone really battling with this disability, but they're not being mocked and they're not just being merely tolerated for how they are. Instead, it's almost like Finding Dory is a celebration of no matter who you are and what you're about and where you're at in life, God loves you and created you as you. Somehow Finding Dory caused a splash like that among us and also among the big picture populace. So it is the best movie of 2016. I just had to hit this one more time. <laughs> to signal the end of the Eternals. Oh. What a night it's been. The oh, night of I, nights. I know. And your tuxedo is still looking remarkably sharp. It's even though it's such clean. a roller coaster of an I evening. can't wait to get out of these shoes, though. <laughs> this is killing me. Well, you know what? We still have one episode left of The Big Picture next week because it is the end of the year as we know it. Mm. The last Big Picture show of the year on Christmas Day, no less. And we'll be bringing you everything that's fit to see while you're digesting your pudding and pork. (laughs) (laughs) See you then. And I will still be ho, 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 Ben McKechn. I'll be Mark Hadley. See you then. The Big Picture is a Bible Society Australia production, sharing the light of God's Word into every corner of your world. 